Welcome to the Beekeeping Today podcast. I am Brian Kramer, owner of Sunshower Honey Company, coming to you from the historic Winnie Farm on beautiful Bainbridge Island, Washington. Welcome to Beekeeping Today podcast, your source for beekeeping news, information, and entertainment presented by Better Bee. I'm Jeff Ott. I'm Becky Masterman. And I'm Kim Flottam. Today's sponsor is Global Patties. They're a family-operated business that manufactures protein supplement patties for honeybees. It's a good time to think about honeybee nutrition. Feeding your hives protein supplement patties will ensure that they produce strong and healthy colonies by increasing brood production and overall honey flow. Now is a great time to consider what type of patty is right for your area and your honeybees. Global offers a variety of standard patties as well as custom patties to meet your needs. No matter where you are, Global is ready to serve you out of their manufacturing plants in Airdrie, Alberta, and in Butte, Montana, or from distribution depots across the continent. Visit them today at www.globalpatties.com. Thank you, Sherry. And a quick shout out to all of our sponsors whose support allows us to bring you this podcast each week without resorting to a fee-based subscription. We don't want that, and we know you don't either. Be sure to check out all of our content on our website. There you can read up on all our guests, read our blog on the various aspects and observations about beekeeping, search for, download, and listen to over 200 past episodes, read episode transcripts, leave comments and feedback on each show, and check on podcast specials from our sponsors. You can find it all at www.beekeepingtodaypodcast.com. Hey, thanks, Brian, for that great opening from up there on beautiful Bainbridge Island. You know, folks, you too can submit an opening to the show. Just record your opening on your iPhone or on your computer and send it to us here at questions at beekeepingtodaypodcast.com. Becky, we need to get this show over quickly because I am so late on getting my Christmas shopping done. What's your last minute gift idea for a beekeeper? That's a great question, Jeff. I think that any kind of mite treatment is a great thing to put under the tree. Just don't open it because it might interfere with those pine needles and the the holiday scent (laughs) you're trying to go for. But taking care of your bees, letting them have a, a healthy new year is a great way to gift your beekeeper. Gifts can run the gambit of expensive to inexpensive. And often it's nice to give a gift to a fellow beekeeper. One that's always welcome are hive tools. And hive tools are a great idea. You can never have too many of those. In fact, you should have more than one. So I think that is a great idea. Another, I know I've talked about this before, are the magnetic hive tool holders are handy to always have that tool nearby. You like smokers, don't you? I do. Smokers are good ideas. Not smoker smokers, smokers, (laughs) but bee smokers. A good smoker is so important, and I think it's nice to have, a, for sure, a backup one just in case. But a smoker is great. You know what's a, a neat gift that somebody could get for their beekeeper friend or family? It would be a place to put your smoker, a metal box that you can put your smoker in. And so that when you're traveling, if you're in the car, you can keep it safely enclosed. That's a good gift. Yeah, it seems like every season you see some story somewhere about a smoker that's going down the road and with all that rush of wind through the smoker sets everything afire and back of a truck, back of a car, it's not good. It's never happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like a story for another episode, (laughs) Becky. 
wait a minute while I write this down. <laughs> you need to go shopping soon, so we better get moving. That's right. On today's show, we have a beekeeper you met several years ago, Grace Foster-Reed. She runs Eco Farms down in Jamaica. Eco Farms Jamaica. So we are taking the listeners to Jamaica in December, which I think is very nice of the Beekeeping Today podcast. Everybody should be in Jamaica in December. Hi, I'm on my way, Becky. Let's open the lines up and let's talk to Grace. But first, a quick word from our friends at Strong Microbials. Strong Microbials presents an exciting new product, Superfuel, the probiotic fondant that serves as nectar on demand for our honeybees. Superfuel is powered by three remarkable bacteria known as bacilli, supporting bees in breaking down complex substances for easy digestion and nutrient absorption. This special energy source provides all the essential amino acids, nutrients, polyphenols, and bioflavonoids, just like natural flower nectar. Vital for the bees' nutrition and overall health, Superfuel is the optimal feed for dearth periods over winter survival or whenever supplemental feeding is needed. The big plus is the patties do not get hive beetle larvae, so it offers all bioavailable nutrients without any waste. Visit strongmicrobials.com now to discover more about Superfuel and get your probiotic fondant today. And while you're at the Strong Microbial site, make sure you click on and subscribe to The Hive, their regular newsletter full of interesting beekeeping facts and product updates. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Sitting across this big virtual Beekeeping State podcast interview table, we have the pleasure of talking with Grace Foster-Reed, owner of Eco Farms in Jamaica. Grace, welcome to Beekeeping Today podcast. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Hi, everybody. So happy to have you here, Grace. So happy to see your face again. Becky suggested we talk to you because she was so impressed about your operation and what you do with bees and beekeeping and how you are using them to serve the community there. This time of year, this is a great time to think about what bees can do for the community and how you can serve others while also working with bees. So give us a history of who you are and just how you got started with bees, and then we'll come back and we'll start talking about the eco farm. No problem. I'm Jamaican, but I, I went to school in the States to, to Rice University and then MIT, where I have degrees in civil and environmental engineering. Then I came back to Jamaica. I, I came back home and worked in a bauxite company. Bauxite is a, a refinery that converts bauxite, which is dirt, to aluminum. What happened is that there was a um, slowdown in, in the economy and the company closed. And I had, I live in a rural town and there was not another option for me with an engineering degree. So I went with my dad to a farm that he has, a farm that has been in our family for like 40 years. I was quite depressed today, you know, and I was like, dad, what are those little white boxes over there? And he said, those are bees. I'm like, bees? Wow. But I'm buying honey, right? And then I went and researched bees and found that, I mean, that the bees are phenomenal because from the hive, you have five products and those five products can do so many things. And I'm like, wow, I can do something with this. And that started my journey in the bees. And I was thinking that because I was in a place where 
things were a bit tight because I had no job. My thought was, well, what about other people? What about if these bees can not only feed my family, but also help other people who are having a rough time in life? And that's how Eco Farms actually started. I'm going to jump back real quick. Did the bees belong to your father or were they somebody else's on your father's farm? No, there were 48 colonies that he had. And I'm using past tense because I stole them, right? I took those bees. <laughs> they were his bees, but he wasn't taking care of them. He had like someone who came in and took care of them. Grace, what year was that? I'm going to say a little bit more senior up in year now. It's just a few. That was about 2014. Okay. Yeah, 2014. You're up against a 10-year anniversary next year. So that's something to celebrate. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I never thought we'd make it this far with the bees, but we're here. Yeah, we're here. So what is EcoFarm? EcoFarm is really about the vision. It's to create 100 jobs amongst at-risk people or marginalized people by innovating honey. That's what EcoFarms is all about. You just do bees and honey and hive products? We used to. Remember my told you started because we stole my dad's bees? <laughs> well, what happened is that last year he gave me the farm. I didn't have to steal the farm. He gave me the farm last year. <laughs> so we're doing a bit more than honey now. I mean, so we have our bees as our pollinators and our honey producers. We have coffee and all other things that we're actually venturing into. But the bees are the pollinators, so they're in charge. Can you share uh, the beekeepers who are on your team? We met one in particular who gave us a hive tour, and he was deaf. Can you share a little bit about your beekeepers? Yeah, so we work with the Jamaica Deaf Village, right, to to train be- deaf folks in beekeeping. The guy I met was Javel. Ah, Javel, he was... A pleasure to work with. Javel, we actually sent him to China on a course of with 70 folks from around the world, all hearing. And Javel was the valedictorian. He had yeah, he has since left the area and he's now in Montego Bay, which is on the other side of the island, and he had his own bees. He does have his own bees now. Yeah, but he had his own bees, right? He had oh, that's bees. a success. Yeah. That's great. And the other gentleman was Romaine, and Romaine migrated to the state. I'm not sure if he had bees yet. If he had bees yet. So it was Javel and Romain. We had one fellow who was actually autistic who's working with us, right? So we've gone beyond even deaf to other kind of impairments. And one other gentleman who has some other mental, actually developmental issues. Where are you? You had 48 colonies. Are you still right about at 48? That's a lot of bees. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually went up. So I'm over, I'm, I went up to just over 100, to about 112, and then I dropped back down. I dropped down this year to about 90, what, 93. As I've been with the engineering aspect of life, and I, I had a little bit of bee neglect, to be honest. But yeah, but we're still above what we got. You work with primarily with other people in the community with disabilities, primarily deaf and other disabilities. So the deaf and other developmental disabilities. So we look. I mean, as I said, we had we have one person who's autistic. So and then also we're trying to bring in some women too, some single mothers, right? So we have we have one autistic, one one single mother, and and the two gentlemen who are deaf. So that's what that's what that's what we actually do. But we we 
what what I realized is that my beat has suffered a little bit because I was a bit I was so enthused and so caught up in in helping and sharing and bring and developing people that we didn't have enough time to spend on the beat with professional with good professional help. So I had to kind of balance that off. Not I mean I was not very happy about that, but it had to be a realistic a realistic choice. So yeah, so we so we do that. So we had actually have our bees in in four locations. Right, two on the farm, and two about half an hour away on the farm. Then, so we we reap our honey in Jamaica from any time from about December back to about May. Right, what we have done is that we actually set up a a reaping facility and a facility to to extract the honey on the farm. Right, and then we take that honey from the farm to the factory. Where you get where you went, Becky, which is actually my garage, right? Right, right. <laughs> right. And there we do our, our, our minimal processing. In terms of our operation, we converted to like wooden frames because when I had gotten them from my dad, they were all plastic frames. Right. So over time we kind of transitioned out of that and to a more organic kind of beekeeping activity. Do you sell the honey then locally with your label on it, or do you sell it to a processor? Okay, no, we we don't have enough to go to a processor. So our honey is a is a raw material. So we do honey sticks, which is honey in a sachet, which we actually flavor with all kind of stuff like cinnamon, tamarind, lemongrass, right? So we have infusions of that. We have honey that we have in a jar with a little bell up on the top that we sell to hotels. Our honey sticks go to stuff like people like Starbucks. Starbucks uses our honey. We also make mead, right? We, we do mead. And we do a bit of bee pollen. That would be a great marketing thing, Jamaican mead. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Because what we do, we have our bees get something called bitter honey, where the bees feed on a medicinal plant. And that basically has all the medicinal values of honey and the herbs. And then, I mean, it's, it's alcohol, so it tastes good, right? <laughs> and then we use sorrel, which is hibiscus that that's here. We use our Jamaican apples. So we use Jamaican fruits and herbs to make our mead. Do you sell that in restaurants or do you sell that to the public? We do mostly to the public. We do to the public through our website and also through some gift shops, take it and people, individuals buy it. I'm really poor. Becky, I'm a good beekeeper. I'm a good engineer, but I'm a poor marketer. I mean, I do no <laughs> marketing, right? I, don't, I, I really don't. <laughs> you can't be good at everything, Grace. No, 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 Becky, you really cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really bad engineer, so there you go. <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> and here I thought. I've never driven a train. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm lost there. <laughs> you say you're a bad marketer. I, I can't really believe that. But we will have your website in our show notes so that folks can take a look at what you're doing with your honey and any of the pictures you have and the story of, of what you're doing. So that will be available for our, our listeners. I look forward to seeing that. I need to talk about Varroa. We've already been talking for a few minutes and somebody has to bring it up. So, <laughs> Grace, I know, I know we communicated in the past and you were looking for a way to manage for Varroa. Are they still a big problem in your operation? Well, this is where the engineer side of me has come into play. What I did, I kind of, I've been doing like kind of breeding and spitting for using the, the, the hive that I'm over, that I'm over resistant to mites. 
So over time, I mean, it had really, the load had dropped significantly. I've also tried some of the fogging with the peppermint oil, right, to bring about the hygiene and that too. Even though I don't have the data, but I'm seeing, I'm seeing even less. Over the past five years, having bred out for the more resistant bees, I'm seeing very, very little varroa mite. How big of a problem are varroa in Jamaica? It's a significant problem. I mean, we had, when they came out in the, what, what year was that? We had significant losses of colony losses. I mean, most beekeepers use Apiston, the strips. I mean, so it is something that we, we look for and it is something that has, that has affected us real negatively. I think it's more or less under control, more, more or less under control. It's a management issue at this point, not a loss issue. Besides Varroa, what are the overriding concerns for beekeepers in Jamaica? We, we can have issues with ants at times, especially like now when it's raining, right? Every couple of years we have issues with theft, with, with calling a theft. They're packing them up and moving them? Yeah, like so, I mean, I think about five years ago, I lost about eight colonies. Yeah, and one dude who was actually a beekeeper who had been working with some other people who, who, who they actually found, right? But you have to be concerned about that. And of course, I mean, we live in the tropics and we have hurricanes. So we have we have issues of weather. Um, and then we also had a couple of years where we had droughts. And then other years where we had too much rain. I mean, so I mean, it's extreme of weather that's also an issue for us. How many months of the year do you have to feed your bees if you have to feed them? After that early. So, so our season is from like, anywhere from January, from December to about May. Starting as early as June, July to feed, right up until about November. Oh, that is a lot of feeding. And are you feeding a one-to-one syrup? Because I would think that you'd have all sorts of problems with it going bad also. Yeah. What I do, what I, what, what I used to do is a one-to-one syrup. But what I, I found that has worked is using using the sugar and just use like a spray bottle and just, just, just make, it, make, it, make it quite moist. And then leave it in the hive, and then make sure that there's a water source. And the advantage of that is that it doesn't go go bad, right? And when the bees, if they don't want to, they just leave it and you just take it out. So it's, it's more of a, it's like a very thick, thick, slurry solution that you give them. Let's take this opportunity to take a quick break and hear from our friends at Better Bee. We'll be right back. Hello, Beekeeping Today podcast listeners. As the year winds down, the team at Better Bee wants to extend a heartfelt thank you for making this another incredible year in beekeeping. Your passion and dedication inspire us every day. To show our gratitude, we're excited to unwrap a special holiday gift just for you. From now until December 15th, 2023, enjoy an exclusive 10% off all orders at BetterBee.com with savings up to $150. Just enter the code JOLLY at checkout. That's discount code J-O-L-L-Y and watch the savings buzz into action. But remember, this offer flies away at midnight Eastern Time on December 15th. So whether you're a seasoned beekeeper or just getting started, Better Bee has everything you need for a sweet holiday season. From all of us at Better Bee, we wish you a joyous holiday season filled with warmth, happiness, and of course, the sweet home of busy bees. Here's to another year of growth, 
learning, and sweet success. Happy holidays and a buzzing new year from the team at Better Be. Don't forget, use the code JOLLY for your exclusive holiday discount. Cheers to the hive! In Jamaica, does anybody hire out bees for pollination? Are you being paid at all if your bees are pollinating any specific crops? No, we don't have that. We don't have that here. What you have is a couple of the companies, they have actually gotten bees themselves. Oh, right? no. Okay. Orchard, they've gotten bees themselves where they benefit for free from other beekeepers who are closed. But there's not really a, a market for that, a paid market for that. You had mentioned your eco farm has coffee. Are bees used in coffee pollination? We have a 60 acre coffee farm, right? Yeah. We had bees. I bought the bees onto that, onto that location about six years ago. And the yield went up by. 47%. I mean, I take away fluctuation in, in that you have in, in production, but that was significant. And anywhere on the farm that, that I put the bees, you can see the difference. Interesting. So do you think it's because they're caffeinated? Are they getting caffeinated <laughs> on, on the, the flowers? They wake up a little bit earlier to get their coffee. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering if there's caffeine in the floral source, in the nectar or in the pollen, or I don't know. Well, I can tell you, I mean, the coffee honey that we get, I mean, if you put a bottle on for a year and you open it, it smells just like coffee. Oh, I'd love to have that. I think everybody here wants a bottle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you actually smell the coffee aroma. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, the bees love it too. Coffee honey. I have to go back and clarify this. The bees working on pollinating the coffee plants, you saw a 40 plus percent increase in production. In the coffee production. Oh, in the coffee production, not in, not in just the honey production. But yeah, even the coffee production, absolutely. That's cool. Coffee honey, I like that. I can't move off of coffee honey right now, but I'm going, <laughs> no. I'm going to try. In Jamaica, are beekeepers doing any migratory beekeeping so that they can collect honey from a specific source? We actually have a couple of our big farmers who do that, who actually chase the blossoms. Okay, Chase the Blossoms. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds that. like a movie or a book. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something that, that lots of beekeepers do, but some of the bigger ones have a chuck and they can move them around. Well, how many beekeepers are there in Jamaica? The last time it was over 2,000. Really? Wow. Well, don't, don't quote me on that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 one's, no one's listening. We're, let's say plus or minus 500, okay? There you go. <laughs> but, I mean, but the number, but we had a dip in the economy in about a couple of years ago there was actually an increase in the beekeeper. But what happened is that the, the, the average holding is not going to be like, the, the average person had probably less than 50. Are you using standard length drift hives? Deeps? Correct. And what about the honey supers? Are they deeps or are they medium? Most of deeps. I mean, most of deeps. So you have a couple of people who use medium, but most, most are deeps. So back to coffee honey. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but but it, this is related. When you are extracting, are you extracting different floral flavors? Are you able to separate out your harvest? More or less. Because you can know, like, so the, the coffee, you know, you know when the coffee blossoms. So if you actually go in there and, you, and time that, you can capture that. I mean, what we have is we have coffee blossom. Then you have another thing called logwood, which is a bit of a minty kind of honey. We have stuff like quick stick and Occasionally, you get you get the bitter honey, which is the herbal honey I was telling you about. 
and of course the multi-floral. So if you can time the blossoms, then you can you can get the, the um the floral type. I had to ask a coffee question again. Is the coffee honey dark, like yeah. a dark roast? <laughs> yeah, 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 like a dark roast. <laughs> Oh, that's all right. All right. We're gonna have to retitle this. This isn't this isn't Grace Boss to read. It's going to be coffee honey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, that's really neat. Well, besides the varroa and the weather, what's the situation with like American foul brood or European foul brood? Do you have problems with those diseases? We have American foul brood, but it was it's not as much of a problem as it was about ten years ago. Because the um we have a very good apiculture like like a minister a ministry of agriculture or apiculture division they're very good they're very responsive they have organizations in every parish which is like your state they have meetings so when Paul came out they actually went through they trained some beekeepers to become inspectors I mean they culled boxes and and burnt them I mean so it, it's not a big problem they might have like a beekeeper might have one or two boxes quickly they'll burn them bury them, get rid of them. It's not endemic then. Do you have much of a problem with pesticides? Personally, yes, because I, I said that our farmers may be a bit too enthusiastic with their use of Roundup and those kind of things. But, I mean, for me personally, what I do, I, I, I have my bees, some of them are on my farm, and I, I mean, my farm, I don't use pesticides like that. But then Jamaica has lots of bush, right? And so you can actually put your bees in an area that they're not going to be affected by pesticides or farming of that sort. So you can be diligent. You have refuges. That's nice. Well, remember now that we're not doing, we're not doing that migratory beekeeping or we're not doing, we're not doing like blossoms of, of almonds or that kind of thing. Most of our honey is from like trees and wild bushes and those kind of things. So we're not, we're not really as affected by the pesticides. So Grace, you mentioned that you have some help from the government. Do you also have regular beekeeper meetings where you are interacting? Is there a, a regular conference that you go to just for Jamaica? No, so what we have, so starting at the very top, they have the Caribbean Beekeepers Association and they have an annual conference that they move from, from country to country. So they had one in Trinidad, Grenada, they move that around. Then you have the our Jamaican Association and Jamaica has 14 parishes, and each parish has its own association and has meetings and trainings and um, getting information out there. So it's, a, it's a pretty good network. That is. It sounds very organized. I want to go to the next Caribbean beekeeping conference. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you been? Did you say that? I went last year um, on, on, on Zoom. I mean, it was really high tech, some really good presentations. Very good. It's a whole different set of problems than what we have in Minnesota and oh, the U.S. Yeah. I would think so. Jamaica being an island, you would think it's pretty much isolated from all those problems. There could be. We've already established that you've had problems with American foul brood and, and the varroa. What about the Africanized bees from the 80s? Did you get hit? With those, with the influx of the aggressiveness of those bees? Not badly. I mean, Trinidad basically has a lot of Africanized bees. I think they probably hopped over from Venezuela. They're close. We, we, we don't have an issue there. Knock on wood that we'll, we'll be scared of them. Are you importing queens from 
other islands or other locations? I know that we wanted to, to actually import some from Hungary about three or four years ago to refresh our genetics. But I know there was a little bit of an uproar about that. So I'm not sure what happened. But we I mean, to, to actually import bees or to import honey into Jamaica, you have to go through the government. It's regulated. So you have your own local queen breeders? Yeah, we do. I'm wondering if your ports are monitored for swarms. That's how they believe Varroa got to Australia. And I'm assuming that you would have even more opportunity for swarms to catch on from different ships. Yeah, I've not heard of that. But knowing the way our government operates, they, they, probably, they probably are. But I personally don't. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious because right now everybody's worried about AAA laps coming into the different countries. And so depending upon what your trade routes are, that would be interesting. Does the U.S. monitor your ports? Yes. For swarms? I would say all the big ports do, for sure. It's one of the things that people wanted in the farm bill for better monitoring, but it's not the farm bill. It's a customs and immigration border security. So it's something they want more of because they're worried about other mites. But for generally speaking, the APIS, they have their inspection points at all the ports, I believe. But I'm sure one of our listeners will let us know if I'm wrong. APIS works with the Border Patrol. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask our minister about that. If not, Jeff and I can come and help with Swarm Patrol. <laughs> we can check it out at least. We're not really experts or anything like that. We're just looking to go to Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about invasive species and everything, I know in Europe is the yellow-legged or Asian hornet. The yellow-legged hornet is causing big problems. And since there's, I would imagine, a lot of trade between Jamaica and the UK and Europe, if you're having any issues with that, the Asian hornet or that yellow-legged hornet that's uh, causing problems now. No, no, no issue. Is that the one that you also had in the, in the West in the U.S. too? No, it's a different hornet. That's up near where I am at, near Seattle, was the what they called the Asian giant hornet, and they've renamed it to the northern giant hornet. And that was brought in through ports, they believe, in Vancouver, so Vancouver, Canada. The port of entries are always a, a hot spot for invasive species of all kinds. Globalization. We're too globalized. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. In Jamaica, and, and it really sounds fascinating. I've, I've never really considered beekeeping in Jamaica, but I imagine there's all sorts of challenges we haven't discussed. And about your program at EcoFarm, the benefit to the people who work there, do you have one or two success stories of, well, you mentioned at the very beginning, two beekeepers who've gone off and started their own, but other people that you've touched through this that have benefited from your program with working with bees? Of our first beekeeper, Damien. I mean, Damien is not deaf, but Damien is actually he he actually now has a career out of beekeeping where he goes around and keeps many people's bees, right? I mean, so he he, he basically supported himself through that. We also had Judith. Judith used to work in the factory, but she was just so enthusiastic about the bees, right? She went through. And she she's not in beekeeping now, but she has she has really progressed financially, right? I mean, yeah. So we we we, we have I could talk about Javel, Damien, Judith. What I my thing, Jeff and, and Becky, that 
I don't want you to come here and spend the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a launching pad. It's a launching pad. You're going to come, you're going to learn something, and then you're going to take it and make it even greater, right? And that's what we have been doing. I think that we should actually maybe paint a picture for the readers of where, I'm going to say it with a Minnesota accent, but it's it's Mandeville. But maybe you could just paint a picture of that region in Jamaica and what you're close to because it's not next to the beach. No, 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 no. No. So if you come into Jamaica, you'll fly into Kingston, which is in the east of the island or in the west, which is Montego Bay, where the tourists normally are. From Montego Bay, you drive two hours, which is long <laughs> for Jamaica, right? Open up the up, up the mountains into the middle of the island to Mandeville, which is basically about two thousand is it feet, two thousand feet above sea level. It's in the mountains. It's a pretty big town for Jamaica, with a hundred thousand people in the town and the surrounding communities. It's green. It's cool. It's lush, right? Where all these are, we actually drive. We drive into the hillside even more, past a place called Doppy Church, where you have trees growing on both sides of, of, of the road, overshadowing the road. Some places you have to stop to let, let another car pass. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. I, I, I must tell you, when I'm in my bees, in that setting, I mean, I solve so many problems. I mean, if you're out there in nature, there's nothing. There's nothing but you and your bees and some birds singing, and the fresh mountain mountain air. It, 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 it's heavenly. So that's that's where we are. That's where we are in Mandeville, where we have our bees. I'm lucky enough to have been there, and so I can tell everybody it is lovely. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a different Jamaica than a lot of people get to see. Yeah, yeah. it's not the beaches. It's the people. I have one last question, again, back to the weather. Have you been impacted by hurricanes that come through nearby the island? We we had a couple of hurricanes in 2014. The first started, we had, a, we had a hurricane. And I mean, the thing about the hurricane is, it, I mean, it basically strips away the blossoms, right? Our hurricane scene is from May up until December, up until December. And when you have a late hurricane, like in October, I mean, you know that you're, that, 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 that season it, 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 it's gone for you. Your honey, your honey season is gone. But what we do is that because honey, honey can't spoil, right? I mean, honey is basically imperishable. So we always have a year's supply of honey that we save every year. So in case we have a drought or a hurricane, that we can still provide our customers. That's good business planning. That is disaster recovery. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Well, Grace, is there anything that we haven't asked you about that you'd like to bring to our attention and to the attention of our listeners? You have you have no more coffee questions? Are you done with the coffee? <laughs> thing now? Are, 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 no. are you finished? <laughs> but I was saving our listeners, the uh, sparing them from my <laughs> questions about coffee and coffee honey. I'd love it. I don't know. Why. It's coffee honey. Just it sounds so lovely. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm really happy for this because, I, as I said, I've been quite busy and I had neglected the bees a bit. And I'm actually going to go out there on Saturday. I must tell you something. Last year, so I've been doing all this work with people who are, are disabled. 
So last year, my daughter pointed out something to me, and I went to the doctor to find out that I have ADHD, right? Attention deficit disorder. And what I realized that when I'm in the bees, when I'm in the bees, I know why I love to be my bees so much, because my bees were medicine for me. Because when you have ADHD, your brain, it just, it just functions differently. I mean, it clocks differently. I mean, it's, it's hyper, right? When you go in your bees, it stimulates that part of your brain that needs to be stimulated to actually work. So I think that bees, I mean, so I'm thinking that I was doing eco-farm for people who were dis- had these disabilities, right? I was the one <laughs> who had <laughs> developmental disabilities and was benefiting from it. I'd like to kind of encourage our readers, our listeners, if anybody out there with ADHD or any kind of hyperactivity, that beekeeping is the thing for you. I love that you're one of your 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of my 100, Becky. I am. <laughs> I'm the number one 100. Oh, thanks for sharing that, though. That's I think that is it's so good. One of the things I've, even though Jeff and I keep going on about coffee, honey, and there are so many differences between keeping bees in Jamaica than keeping bees in the States. But when you describe being in the bees, that's all the same. It's just all the same. It's it's why we're doing it. It's we all, all of us who are keeping bees love to get into those colonies because all of a sudden you lose time. It's just this process that just takes you to a very relaxing, regenerative place. So be mindfulness, right? Be night mindfulness. There you go. It's all the same. Well, Grace, we really appreciate you taking your time this afternoon to come on the show and tell our listeners about Eco Farms. And folks, you can check the show notes and or go to ecofarmsjamaica.com and read all about Grace's work and see pictures of their well, you have you have wine too. What a beautiful bottle and wine, honey, mead. I'm on my way. Uh, I can't, <laughs> can't wait to visit. <laughs> yeah, my- Come. Thank you, Grace. I look forward to having you back. Already. Thanks, Grace. You must have had a great time visiting Grace. When was it? Back in 2018? Is that what you all decided? It was Grace who visited Minnesota in 2018. But we we took the B cruise to Jamaica in 2017. And that is when I think there were about 30 of us who got on a couple of buses and we traveled from the port to visit her farm and her operation. And we've never been more welcomed. I mean, it was just such a lovely experience. But yes, the first time I met her officially was in 2018 when she came to Minnesota. She seems like a very warm and welcoming person and uh, well, a typical beekeeper. Yeah, a typical beekeeper. And and I I just remember... When I first met her, and I, I, I found her online because I was looking for a place to visit in Jamaica when the cruise docked, and I found her operation and learned that she was not twice, but or once, but twice graduated with an engineering degree in the United States, and yet her passion was to go home and to serve her community. And that just has always stuck in my mind. That's just... She's, she's lived her life with a, a lot of purpose, and I think it's just exciting to hear how she brought bees into it. I agree. The folks that we've had on the show over the years who work with bees and 
in their communities to help others throughout their community, I admire. It's hard work and it's rewarding work. I'm glad there's people out there doing that. It's good for the bees. It's good for the beekeepers. It's good for everybody, right? Absolutely. And that about wraps it up for this episode. Before we go, I want to encourage our listeners to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and stream the show. Even better, write a review and let other beekeepers looking for a new podcast know what you like. You can get there directly from our website by clicking on the reviews along the top of any web page. We want to thank our regular episode sponsors, Global Patties, Strong Microbials, and especially Better Bee for their longtime support of this podcast. Thanks to Northern Bee Books for their generous support. Finally, and most importantly, we want to thank you, the Beekeeping Today podcast listener, for joining us on this show. Feel free to leave us questions or comments at leave a comment section under each episode on the website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks a lot, everybody.